Chapter 3 of Hard to Beat by a Self-Made Man. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 3. A Daring Theft. On his way back to the office from the quick lunch establishment he was in the habit of patronizing, Bob overtook Kitty Barnes and another young lady who worked for a law firm in the same building where Scrooge and Sharpley were located. Kitty introduced her companion to Bob as Miss Stevenson. Glad to know you said the boy, doffing his hat politely. This is the smartest boy in Wall Street, Minnie, said Miss Barnes with a roguish smile. Indeed, replied Miss Stevenson pleasantly, looking at Bob with some interest. You mustn't believe all Miss Barnes says, grinned the boy. She's the greatest jollier in the district. Why, Bob Brooks, how dare you make such a statement, laughed Kitty, shaking a finger at the lad. I think Kitty always tells the truth smiled Miss Stevenson. There, now will you be good? said Miss Barnes. I suppose I'll have to after that, said Bob, but if the other boys hear I'm getting such a reputation as that, they won't do a thing to me. I guess I'd better get my life insured. Oh, I won't tell anybody, said Miss Stevenson gaily. Though I'd love to tell my cousin Phil. He thinks he's the smartest boy in greater New York. I have a friend named Phil. Sharp is his other name, who thinks he's some pumpkins for a good-sized kid. Phil Sharp, exclaimed Miss Stevenson. Why, that's my cousin. You don't say, ejaculated Bob in surprise. He works for Duncan and Company on Broad Street. That's right, nodded the girl. Cousin Sue, his sister, is an awful sweet girl. I know her. She's all right. They live a block from my house. She and my sisters are chums. You have sisters, then? Sure, why not? They work in an infant's wear establishment on University Place, near Washington Square. They're the nicest girls in the world, if I do say it. I like to hear a boy talk that way about his sisters, said Miss Stevenson. Bob has told me there isn't a girl in the world that can hold a candle to them, chipped in Miss Barnes. What? Not one? laughed Miss Stevenson. The only one I know of that can spells her name K-I-T-T-Y grinned the boy. Go along, you foolish boy, blushed Miss Barnes. They had now reached the street entrance to their office building and were about to enter, when Bob noticed a handsomely dressed lady approaching with a black leather satchel in her hand. At that moment there happened to be but a few people on that side of Wall Street, but the boy noticed that a stocky man, with a soft hat pulled well down over his eyes, and a thick pair of burnside whiskers which covered the greater part of his face was drawing quickly up behind the lady. Something in his action struck the boy as being suspicious. Say, Kitty, get on to that fellow behind the lady. He seems to be up to something. The reason for his peculiar behavior was shown in another moment. In fact, before the stenographer could open her lips to reply to Bob's remark, what he did was both sudden and startling, and for an instant took the quick-witted boy off his guard. The man stepped behind the lady. He threw one arm about her neck, pulling her head back, stifling the scream of terror which rose to her lips. Then he snatched at and secured the satchel she held in her hand. The instant he got possession of it, he released his victim and darted off down the street as fast as he could go, while the lady, with a gasping cry, sank to the sidewalk. "'Gee whiz, look at that!' exclaimed Bob when he had recovered from his shock of surprise. "'The fellows actually robbed her in broad daylight. What an awful nerve!' Do something for her, Kitty, he added energetically. I'm going to catch that rascal if I can. 
and he started off down Wall Street after the fellow at a speed which showed he was no mean sprinter when he had a mind to put his best foot forward. The thief, glancing warily over his shoulder, soon saw that he was being pursued by a boy who was fleeter of foot than himself. "'Stop that man!' yelled Bob to a couple of brokers he knew, who at that moment came out on the sidewalk just ahead of the fleeing rascal. The thief, however, was wide awake and dodged them in a twinkling. In fact, he was beyond their reach before they comprehended the situation. As usual, there was not a policeman in sight, and though there are a number of plainclothes men belonging to the police force always on Wall Street, not one was in that immediate vicinity when his services were needed. A thief darted across the street, when a big man, warned by Bob's shout, tried to intercept him near the corner of Pearl Street. Bob cut across the roadway and rapidly overhauled the crook, whose progress was blocked more or less by the people aroused by the hue and cry, which was now becoming general. The fellow presently scurried around the corner of the seaman's bank and ran up the middle of Pearl Street under the shadow of the elevated tracks, disappearing for a moment behind a loaded truck. But he could not shake Bob off. In a few minutes, the boy was right at his heels. Realizing his predicament, the rascal jumped behind one of the pillars which supports the elevated structure, stopped, and then struck out viciously at his young pursuer. But Bob was wary, expecting some such demonstration on the part of the thief and ducked, thereby escaping the blow. Then, as the rascal darted off again, he sprang forward and tackled him in regular football fashion about the legs. The fellow stumbled, lurched forward, and both went down in a heap in front of a warehouse. Bob, who was as lively as a cat, was up in a twinkling in a stride of the thief, who had retained hold of the satchel. As a matter of course, the crowd was attracted, and they were soon surrounded. "'Grab hold of this fellow's arms,' said Bob to a big teamster. "'What's the matter with him?' "'He's a thief,' replied the boy sharply. "'He stole that satchel he has in his hand from a lady on Wall Street.' "'You're a liar!' said the fallen crook, struggling in vain to throw Bob off. Then the boy noticed that the fellow's whiskers were disarranged, and concluding they were fake, he laid hold of them, tore them off, and exhibited the false hair before the eyes of the crowd. "'There, you see, he was disguised,' he said, and all doubt as the character of the rascal was dissipated in the minds of the onlookers. "'I'll get square with you for this, young fellow,' gritted the captured man, glaring malevolently at Bob's face. "'Get square with nothing,' returned the lad fearlessly. "'You'll soon be put where such fellows as you belong.' The big teamster now took a hand in the matter and yanked the thief to his feet, while Bob got possession of the satchel. "'Take him into the store and telephone to the station for a policeman,' said the boy, and his suggestion was at once acted upon. Outside, the crowd continued to grow and stare at the chief actors in the lively chase, and due time an officer appeared, to whom Bob made an explanation of the circumstances.' The thief, however, was in a sullen mood and refused to say anything. "'You'll have to come to the station and make the charge to the sergeant at the desk,' said the policeman to Bob. "'All right,' replied the boy promptly. "'I'll do it. "'Where's the lady from whom this bag was taken?' asked the officer. "'I left her in charge of two young ladies, one of whom is our stenographer. "'I work for Scrooge and Sharpley, number 34 Wall Street.' "'All right. "'Come along.' The policeman, with the prisoner securely gripped on one side and Bob marching on the other, headed a crowd of curious people as far as the station, where the chief actors in this dramatic episode lined up before the desk. Bob was closely questioned by the official in charge, his replies being noted on the blotter. The prisoner maintained absolute silence. 
On the charge of highway robbery being entered against him, the fellow was sent below and locked in a cell, to be subsequently conveyed to the city prison on Center Street. Bob, accompanied by the officer who had made the arrest, returned to Scrooge and Sharpley's, where the lady who had been robbed was found in the reception room, talking to Kitty Barnes and Mr. Scrooge. "'What is your name, madam?' asked the policeman, taking out his notebook. "'Mrs. John Dickens.' "'Of 129th Street?' asked Bob in surprise. "'I used to live on that street when my husband was alive,' she replied, regarding Bob with not a little interest. "'But at present I'm living in the Albermale Hotel.' The officer jotted the fact down. "'You can identify your property, madam?' "'Certainly. Has the man been captured?' "'Yes, madam. The boy ran him down, and he has been locked up. "'Your satchel will be turned over to the property clerk at the police headquarters, "'300 Mulberry Street, and will probably not be returned to you until the case is disposed of. "'You'll be expected to appear at the Tombs Police Court, "'together with this young man and the other witnesses, about ten o'clock tomorrow morning.' "'The policeman then took his leave.' End of chapter 3